Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Film House, the podcast where we talk about movies, news, and the like. Uh, I am joined by James Willems in the other room. Hello, I'm in the other room. <laughs> and uh, a guest that we're really excited to have on, Nick, a.k.a. Diction, a.k.a. a guy with really great movie opinions. Yeah. I'll, All I had to do was bully you on Twitter. <laughs> I was going to say no. on the show. <laughs> I was so happy when you said that you wanted to do it uh, because we love having you in videos. I hope we continue to have you in more stuff in 2021. And Absolutely. Uh, I love talking about movies with people that are passionate about mm-hmm. movie discussion. Yeah, and I'm the, I'm like I'm in the same boat as you guys. Like I like video games just fine, but I I love movies way more. Mm-hmm. Like I can talk. I, I, I you can't get me to shut up about movies. It's actually been a problem with my friend group. Sometimes they're like, "Oh, there goes Nick again." <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk about an obscure it, film we're never gonna watch. But okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have a tough time being friends with people that are not movie fanatics? Ah, uh, I don't think I think there's like once when I was in my early twenties, my friends like boyfriend at the time just straight up said i don't like movies mm-hmm. and he yeah. didn't give an explanation he just said i don't like movies and i just like i don't understand that like nothing like yeah. not even like a christmas it's, story like it's nothing like, worked for you it's like i one, don't like a christmas story nick <laughs> it's like one tier above for me when someone when someone goes like they go i don't like movies just in just broad statement and then right below that is i don't believe in reproductive rights that's how close <laughs> that's how close it is. What blows my mind is the person that will say, I don't like music. Yeah. Um, that because to music to me is just like such a music. intrinsically human thing that mm-hmm. I'm I'm like, you're an alien. I don't, Your mother's I don't heart. Yeah, it. it's also music is everywhere. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you go out to different, you know, stores or whatever, or like anywhere, there's probably music playing. So you just constantly hate life i guess, yeah, I guess so. yeah, <laughs> really hate universal studios where oh, there's like boy. three different music tracks playing over each other mm-hmm. at any given time mm-hmm. uh but yeah you're one of those people that i feel like i know your movie preferences from social media yeah and, like, and you know when you see somebody you don't necessarily have you've never met them in person but you know them on social media and you're like i like this person mm-hmm. because i see how their brain works mm-hmm. in terms of movies I have scaled it back. I used to tweet a lot more about movies and I realized, especially this year with or last year, I mean, now uh, with everything went that happened, just like I'm being a little too negative. I would talk mostly about movies I hated and like create threads mm-hmm. and <laughs> and like I don't take back those opinions, but I just like at, there was a certain point I was like, I'm going to just like I don't like a movie. Maybe I'll make one sarcastic post about it and then that's it and I'll drop it. Yeah. There's, I don't know what it, it's not necessarily movies. I think also television has done it too. Um, that I've kind of come more to terms with not getting so angry. Like something has to be really offensive to me, like in terms of how it was made terribly for me to like actually care anymore or like yeah. publicly care. So, like, <laughs> like if you ask, like, what movies do I hate? I think Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom are like two of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> yeah no i agree but but anything else if it doesn't come nearly as bad as those movies i i would say like yeah uh, whatever i'll move on mm-hmm. like it, I, there's no fight here i'm not gonna I fight anyone else it's also finding those hidden gems and silver linings in movies you don't like people loved venom i didn't like it but it gave us sorry about venom uh the moment at the end yeah. of the movie when michelle williams and venom and he's they're sitting on the the, the porch steps together mm-hmm. and she just goes Sorry about Venom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like 
I feel like that somebody wrote that line and yeah. she, she Oscar winning actress said sorry about he, Venom yeah no but We're Venom also is terrible <laughs> So we're talking about movies and I thought we'd kick it off by just talking about some of the movies TV that we've watched over the last two weeks. We've been, you know, out of the off off what we've been out of the office for a year, but we've been out Mm -hmm. of the office (laughs) for, Mm -hmm. you know, the break. And uh, James and I consumed a bunch. And from what you sent me, you watched a lot. Um, I watched a lot of TV just in general. mm -hmm. Uh, Especially on the weekends, that's like all I do basically. Because like, what else is there to do? Mm-hmm. I but, love um, a good binge. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oberkai season three. I did that this week, last weekend. Great. Did I actually you... like? I because I know I I saw the episode where James talked about it, and you had like you know like the the whole caveman analogy where for some reason Johnny's just like oh yeah yeah, yeah. use technology <laughs> yeah he was I unfrozen <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but um, someone one of one of my friends on Twitter kind of summed up why I love the show. And I don't know if he was saying it positively, but I think it positively. He said it's Degrassi with fight scenes. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I <clears throat> unapologetically love Degrassi. Like, I used to watch Really? <clears throat> when I was in college, I- me and my roommates and my friends, between classes, we would go back to my apartment because I lived, like, across the street from the community college, and we would, like, catch the newest episode. We were hooked on that show. And like we Did, thought it was silly. We thought it was the dialogue was stupid. You know, character motivations were weird. Situations were dumb. But we were hooked, absolutely is, hooked on that show. Is this the original Degrassi or the reboot? Next generation. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Break. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because when I was a kid, they would play reruns of the original one. Uh, and then when the new one was coming out, I remember seeing a promo for it. And in the promo, it was just this girl who was you know 13 years old or whatever, and she got her period. And then she was just walking weird. And I was like, I'm not watching this show. <laughs> I'm not the audience for this. And that, but that Nick girl was. grew up to be Drake. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to yeah. say that girl grew up to be Nick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he saw himself. Some of my, some of my yeah. fa- we're getting way off topic, but some of my favorite memories are those things that you would watch just because you somehow, for some reason, got hooked on it. Like, yeah. And maybe some of your friends got hooked on it, too. But it's like completely off time. One of my favorite ones is... Uh, I used to watch S Club 7. I watched um, it too. Oh, yeah. S Club 7, which is like a show. It's like basically a Disney Channel show not made on the Disney Channel. Like had Linda Blair the... in it. Was she like, in like a guest episode? No, she was She was like, oh, wait, maybe I'm. No, that's S Club 7. Yeah, it's Linda Blair. She was like a big, she was like the older woman that they would hang out with for some reason, like their landlady or something. Really? Maybe. Are yeah. you thinking a of British S Club show? 7 in Hollywood? Because they, they went, went to Hollywood. Yeah, they went point. to Hal- when they were in California. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was S Club Seven in Miami, and when they left Miami, I went. Eh. I was in it for the setting okay. mostly. Yeah, you left your heart in Miami. Uh, yeah, I left my heart there. But yeah, for some reason, I, I was like, I was like, yeah, I kind of like. It's like a comfort show. <laughs> like you know, it's bad for you, but yeah, like you don't mind. And fun. Yeah. Yeah. Like the sign that says "Danger and Alligators." Oh, Paul, <laughs> what a cut up. <laughs> uh, Cobra Kai is a show that I. I can't believe it got the promotion it did on Netflix and just catapulted the way it did through Netflix. It's just, well, it's it's just such sitting a, there on YouTube for two yeah. years, no one mm-hmm. watching it. Even though all the, a, all the critics were like, this is amazing. It shouldn't be. Why mm-hmm. is no one watching it? It's like, oh, because it's on YouTube and you have to pay for it. And that's for some reason, people don't like paying well, for YouTube at all. I had I have YouTube just to get rid of the ads. And because we work in it and so we're using it all the time, like 
I have YouTube Premium, formerly Red, right? Yeah. I have it, and uh, and never watched. Co- it was like always one of those things. But like when you don't have a queue, and you don't have something that you log in every single day with the intention of using it a specific way, like you just don't. So like the idea of like me sitting down and then putting Cobra Kai on uh, YouTube while I was like working or whatever, just like didn't fit the vibe. And then as soon as it was on Netflix, like everyone started watching it and it's just like, yeah, that's because that's where people go to YouTube that's the platform. Yeah. People go yeah. to YouTube. I go to YouTube to watch, um, like Korean chefs making street food silently <laughs> or, or a video of someone mixing two kinds of acrylic and pouring it over a basketball. Like that's why I watch YouTube. Um, not to necessarily watch narrative things. So were you a big Karate Kid fan of the movies, Nick? Uh, when I was a kid, yeah. I mean, it's been... I, I haven't seen them since I was like probably like 10, 11 years old. <gasps> what if I told you that there's a 36-year-old man that watches them almost yearly? I love, <laughs> I love Karate Kid. I love Karate <laughs> I love. I love those movies so much. They're so good. I mean, I also liked them a lot as a kid. Um, but I really got into it kind of like in my like late teens. Cause I was like this, the first movie is so well made. It's so good. And it's like such an expertly crafted movie. And I think it does everything that it needs to do. There's this one shot that if you ever, if you want to question whether or not this movie is made, cause it's the guy who made Rocky, you know, like he oh, made, yeah, he made karate kid and it, you wouldn't put them in the same camp. Right. But they are made with the same kind of, like attention to detail there's this one shot where they're really into the training and mr miyagi has uh like a catcher's guard on and like a mask so that way daniel can practice punching him and he's telling him like follow through on the punches and stuff like that and uh it's one shot and it starts close and just pulls back and as it pulls back it shows like the whole pacific coast and it has like mr miyagi's old car like it's it's a perfect shot it should it's if it hasn't been on the perfect shot twitter account it should be like and it's just one thing and i'm like it's so meticulous that this movie doesn't get enough credit for being that way the whole time and i also really like two and three because they're pretty great sequels that expand so like first one is daniel's story and then the second one is mr miyagi's story and the third one is how they become kind of a family together and like they're beautiful they're, it's it's like a really good then they all pick up where the last one left off and like you think because mm-hmm. you know you think about like oh so number two is karate kid goes to japan but it really isn't that like the movie spends a good amount of time like giving reason and justification for why they're going to japan and what yeah. happened to elizabeth shu in the previous like there's all these explanations that like, most sequels don't even bother with anymore so i, I, I appreciate the movie's attention to detail I haven't seen Cobra Kai. James has watched the first two seasons. I feel like he's putting off watching season three because he no. doesn't want it to be I've over. Watched the f- I've only watched the first season. <gasps> oh, only the first season? I've only watched the first season. It, so I watch a lot of things after Elise goes to sleep. Um, but those things I watch with captions on and basically on mute so that way she doesn't wake up. But right. Cobra Kai is a show that I want to watch. I don't want to just read it and like fall asleep to it. Like there's other certain programming that I'm find falling asleep during but i want yeah. to watch cobra kai so a lot of times it's like while well, i'm folding laundry or like or whatever but then it, it's weird now because i don't want to just put it on and elise is like in the middle of season two and she doesn't necessarily know what's going yeah. on and you know so 
Just make a make a day. I just need watch to all, yeah. all three. Yeah, I'm just going to binge it. Can you talk without spoilers then about what season three is doing? No, but it will. <laughs> okay. it, James will love where it goes. Because my understanding uh, is that of how much he loves the sequels. Mm-hmm. Oh, my understanding is that Cobra Kai kind of takes your expectations for Johnny and Daniel and and flips them. Yeah, it inverts mm-hmm. them to a degree, not totally, but mm-hmm. yeah, this is the basic concept is is Johnny, you know, went on to be a nobody and he views the, the relationship with Daniel that he was the bully mm-hmm. and Johnny was the victim. Yeah. And so that's where it takes off from there. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And then I think the idea of what Cobra Kai represents of like these outcasts, mm-hmm. like these people, like I, I do appreciate that in 2020 or I guess this the first season would have been 2018 or something like that. Um, I appreciate that they were like, sometimes you do have to fight for yourself. And I, that's something like, it feels like it's a theme that you're not always willing to teach kids now. Yeah. Like everything is like settle it in a different way. But like, like sometimes the answer is being like learning how to feel more confident in yourself, grow stronger, and then fight for the things that you know are right or fair. But then also at the same time, at least again, I'm only speaking for season one. It also does a great job of warning what happens when you think that the fighting is what you're fighting for and not the actual justice of it. If that makes sense, you know, like it's a dangerous, it's a slippery slope. If if you just think fighting will solve everything, but sometimes you need to fight. And those, that's like kind of the difference. Anyway, (laughs) that's Cobra Kai. Thanks for coming to our Uh, Cobra Kai podcast. (laughs) The one thing we did, we did binge over the break, which probably shouldn't have was Bridgerton. I don't know if you're in the Bridgerton universe, Nick. Not yet. No, but I've been seeing it blow up on social media. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm really, I'm not a period piece guy. Uh, I never have, but I've you never read Rossi. Pride and Prejudice. I've never I seen the movies. You. I don't mm-hmm. blame like, you. It's just, it's an era that doesn't fascinate me. I did love the favorite though, but that's because I oh, like I, the director. Yeah. And mm-hmm. what he did with it, he made that everything was so funny and weird and like mm-hmm. off kilter. Um, so I like that, but like, yeah, I'm sure. Pride and Prejudice is great. I just, it's just not an era that I've ever been fascinated with. It just doesn't, doesn't do it. I'll for tell me. you, I'm not a Jane Austen person either. I do think that the 2006 Kieran Knightley Pride and Prejudice, which I have seen, is pretty fantastic. Like it's, it's, a, I, I think I was surprised by how much I liked that movie because it, it's so cinematic too. Um, Bridgerton, not something I would have watched. Uh, but man, it is a salacious good time. It does get to a point where it's just Bone City nonstop. Spoiler. It takes but, a weird uh, tonal shift into it has being a weird, like... It's a weird tonal <laughs> shift. But uh, it's... I, it would be remiss not to mention it because I feel like it's so part of the zeitgeist right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is like... I'm not a person that also enjoys that kind of teen mm-hmm. television content. Uh, mm-hmm. But God, it's just... It's just I was shouting. I kept shouting Bridgerton, Bridgerton, because I don't. I didn't know any of their names, and there are so many Bridger. I don't. I still don't know how many Bridgertons Drink, there actually yeah. were. There's a family Drink every named Bridgerton. Every single time someone says Bridgerton, I think there are six Bridgertons. 
I kept calling the main character Bridgelina Bridgerton because I didn't know <laughs> who she was. Yet you but watched. I, I you, shouted you at that ten show. hours or whatever of Bridgerton. I watched ten hours. I don't know her name, but I shouted. It's one of the shows that I was just like, you know, when you get into something, and you're just react. You have visceral reactions to it. That was Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll mm-hmm. say about it. Um, on the list it's already on the list i just you can put it pretty far down the list but it is the kind of thing where if you watched downton abbey or if you didn't watch downton abbey you and you were like i don't it doesn't never seem like i finished downton abbey but i did enjoy the first season that i watched yeah well i don't think anyone finished downton abbey because yeah. as soon as <laughs> lord grantham or whatever left um it's like i don't know what's, what's going on here i don't care about mr bates um but that show felt like it was kind of about nothing like truly what were the stakes of that show before it yeah. became a melodrama this show is like a let's modernize it and let's understand that like not everyone has a british sensibility for slow drama so and, and also let's make sure we get some ass pounding or whatever like let's, let's make sure we have at least one or two shots of a butt slapping between two thighs <laughs> all right that's going now it's going higher up in the list yeah <laughs> much higher you had another show on your list that i love and we're getting another season in just a few days full disclosure we work for the company that makes it it's search party oh yeah yeah i binged that pretty hard that's great Did you I, yeah, I was I'm, one of those people that watched the first season when it came out and then had to wait like an agonizing two years or whatever for yeah, the second just, season. And, every time the episode would pop up, the date would show, and it's like 2016. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I had no idea this existed. And I'm like, I'm a big fan of, I mean, the whole cast, but uh, John Reynolds in particular. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I watched that movie where he and, uh, I forget the actress's name, who's in uh, Mr. Robot, but they, they, they go on like a, vacation in the woods and then the aliens attack i uh, forget what it's called it came out last I've year seen that. Hmm. yeah but um but it's it's very yeah he, he was really really funny in it and, and then when i saw he was on the cast i was like oh great and he continues to be really funny but um yeah no so i'm really looking forward to season was it four coming up season four yeah yeah, yeah now they're just churning them out <laughs> it's really Which hard to describe it to people and make it sound interesting yes because you have to preface it with all right, so it's about four self-possessed millennials. And then after that, people are just going to, you know, tune mm-hmm. it out. It's yeah. like, no, but they get involved in this weird mystery. And mm-hmm. then just a bunch of crazy shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like it's neuroticism and self-obsession, the show. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, it's kind of like what Shit's Creek is for wealth in a lot of ways where like you have to kind of sit through some of those early episodes being like, but I don't like why do I like these characters? And it's like the show, the show is basically going like, we'll show you stick yeah. with us. And yeah. then, and you were, you're, you're going to be in the middle of season two and you're going to be like, I can't imagine life without these characters. And all right. I want to know is what happens to them next. Like the good place. It clicks at the end of season one. And then you say, okay, now the show mm-hmm. is starting really and yeah. truly. Yeah. But it's still very entertaining up to that point, but it is one of those like, yeah, there's a huge shift in the narrative. Mm-hmm. And and then it becomes something completely different in yeah. a very good way. And yeah. uh, John Early, uh, I forget his character's name. Uh, oh, he's Elliot. Elliot. Uh, mm-hmm. God, he's just so funny. His yeah. timing's so good. His comedic timing is perfect. Absolutely yeah. perfect. It's a great cast all around for that show. Yeah. They're all perfect for the horrible, delightful people that they are. <laughs> uh, and like spoiler talk now, the the lawyer that they introduced in season three, 
um i loved her so oh, yeah. much oh my god yeah she, she like just, she just made we, the rest of them look so bearable as human beings yeah. mm -hmm. just from yeah. her like the way she talks and everything and yeah yeah no i love her yeah Elise and i were talking about it i think in through the framing of seinfeld or whatever but i really love when shows uh springfield themselves they start like and, and i feels like it's a it's a thing for lots of great comedies um, but like they start with this small cast that seems like pretty wacky characters, but then through the wackiness of those characters, it allows permission for you to introduce new characters that are even wackier. That like, are even wackier. Character is just... Yeah. But you, but Louis as Anderson. opposed, oh, go ahead. Louis Anderson's in it. Like <laughs> yeah. Louis Anderson. I thought you were talking about the life with Louis show. Down. <laughs> yeah. When, when um, he says that thing about how he's got a year to live or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I died. I died. Um, but like I always love that kind of stuff because some the fear I think is always that you're gonna end up with like a Steve Urkel family matters type situation, right? Where right. like there's Kind you of accidentally make the greatest show ever made. Well, yeah, <laughs> but e even Family Matters is like a, nor a relatively normal family, and then this wacky scene stealing character that shows up, and then and then eventually the introduction of Waldo. <laughs> but like, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> but like, it's. I don't think that you can be like. I know the whole wacky community of Family Matters. You don't really. You know that one house, and you know Steve Urkel, and that's kind of it for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Parks and Rec um, is the sitcom textbook yeah. of building out that wacky universe. Yeah. Parks and Rec is great. But again, I think like Sp Springfield is a perfect example of like that poster that everyone had on their college dorm wall, which was the yellow poster with all of the characters on it and stuff. And like S Search Party is a show that totally becomes that, you know, as it yeah. starts to like tack these new characters in. And I love that stuff. I love that evolution. Uh, Middleditch and, Sw and Schwartz. Have you just been oh watching through their their improv? Well, I've just been watching this the the only three episodes available yeah. on Netflix over mm -hmm. and over again because it's just genius, like mm -hmm. absolute genius. And normally, I don't think improv is that interesting. I think that it's it's like well, like you know, like improv troops. You know, like it's like everyone's got to be an upright citizen brigade. And not all of them have what it takes. There's a lot of dead air. They Shout do. out to my groundlings. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just like the concept of just two people on stage, mm -hmm. in, like creating dozens of characters and like the best bits are when they forget who they are mm -hmm. or what the name of another character is. And then you just have like a completely out of character moment where they're, you know, mm -hmm. there's one bit where they play Rochambeau and they just go out of character. And he's like, I'm going to beat you. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you are. <laughs> And then he does. Yeah. Spoiler. But like, yeah, yeah. they have came at the, the right time, but in, at the wrong time, because now we're not going to get new episodes for those. Yeah. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's an audience show. Yeah. They have an audience. If you haven't seen it, it's live performances that they do where they perform, you know, an, 90 minutes of improv together or an hour of improv together. And James and I actually we were really lucky that a few years ago we saw them at the oh, Largo. Really? In, mm -hmm. in Los Angeles doing their show. And mm -hmm. it was at the time where we were very familiar with Ben Schwartz from Parks and Rec. But we, our only experience with Thomas Middleditch was on Silicon Valley, where he's kind of just this like nebbish straight man, right? Yeah. And, and so, so, and he's actually like an actor, like a real, yes. apparently mm -hmm. he's like best friends with Patrick Stewart. 
Oh really? He's really. Yeah, they did a. They they have like a. a, a, I forget which YouTube channel, but they do like actors on actors. They have two actors sitting down and interview each Hmm. other. And he has one episode where he's interviewing Patrick Stewart. I guess he Hmm. did this. He had this like thing he used to do where it was like it was like improvised Shakespeare. So they would just they would have to speak like like they're in Shakespearean, but they would improv the show. And Patrick Mm -hmm. Stewart was on like a bunch of episodes, and they just became really good friends. Yeah, gotta look at that. Well, we we went into this thinking like, oh yeah, Ben Schwartz, you know, he's he's a dynamo, he's super funny, we're gonna mm-hmm. love him up there, you know, not really expecting. And Thomas Middleditch just like blew us away with how mm-hmm. funny he was. Yeah. Uh, and I I'm the type that like you, not so into improv troops, but I have such the utmost respect for the the two or the three person improv teams where it's yeah. just like constant synergy, just f- like firing firing on all cylinders and having that rapport. Yeah, I was like rapport. Rapport is the thing, and not to get. I know this is film house and not improv house, but (laughs) like I've been to so much improv in Los Angeles, UCB, everything. I've been to so many shows. I've seen so many improvisers, and the biggest thing that people miss out on is that they they think the rules are what's going to make them a good improviser. Because they go to class, they pay money to go to classes to learn the rules to being a good improviser. And I would say rules are important. If you get into a scene with someone and they go, wow, like this, this uh, horticulture lab is just beautiful. And you go like, no, it's not. It's a grocery store like or whatever. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you're going to break everything and it's not going to it's not going to work. Yeah. But I would say that's maybe five percent. The other 95% is having a rapport with someone that you may not necessarily know what they're going to say, but you know where they're going to land. And so you can prepare for it. And they also know where you're going to land so they can prepare for it. Because then you still allow for the stuff that you just like you just described, um, Nick, where like they break character. Right. Which isn't necessarily great improv, but it only works because the rapport was there and they both kind of were okay with this happening at this particular moment and knew that comedically this is the right timing for us to break. Right. And like, and that's the most important thing as opposed to knowing the rules. Um, And so those two just have an amazing, amazing rapport and 99% of the improv groups I've seen in LA, there's like two of them that like you can see like no, their own sensibility and someone else's yeah. sensibility. And then there's like the four or five other members of the group who also chip in to get improv lessons like that are not on the same page. And it's such, it's such an uncomfortable watch. Uh, I we won't have to dwell on it, but I have to mention uh, ghosts, which you can watch on HBO max, not sponsored. Um, because it's it's a BBC show about this couple that inherits a rundown English manor. And when they get there, surprise, there are ghosts. Oh, um, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. it's really funny, really charming. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. It's great. Yeah. Uh, James and I actually ended up watching a couple movies, thanks to you, Nick, over the last couple days. And one of them <laughs> that I that I was like blown away by was The Trial of the Chicago 7, oh, which yeah. I'd been meaning to watch, knew it was Sorkin. Uh, but just kind of put it off as like, this is going to be heavy. It's going to be a heavy watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, and I probably shouldn't say this, but it's kind of more fun than it should be it's, with the heady subject a, matter. It's got an energy. Like yeah. you know, for, for a, a, a courtroom drama, 
it constantly feels like it's in motion. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it helps that he gets to cut back to the to the riots and you know the events that led to the, the, to whatever's happening. But um, yeah, I was utterly compelled by it, and also like couldn't have been released at a more topical time. Like, oh yeah, like the timing of that was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm like I'm a I'm a big fan of Sorkin. I don't think he's perfect. He has a lot of sensibilities that I don't exactly vibe with most of the time. Mm-hmm. But honestly, he was dialed in for this mm-hmm. one. Really. Oh yeah. And got, he had to go through, I don't know how many hours of court transcripts to adapt that. Yes, like he actually uh, like read all. Do of you know that. how accurate the court transcripts and like dialogue is to what really happened? I don't. Courtrooms? I read that like it's like he had to omit a lot of stuff for the sake of the drama, mm-hmm. but apparently what is what is there in the movie is like pretty accurate. Like, it's, it's pretty accurate. I I heard an end telling very telling of who I am as a person, but I listened to an NPR interview um, with Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) And this would have been when the movie was like first kind of dropping on Netflix, which I feel like was like kind of towards the summer ish end of summer. Right. Wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Um, so. But uh, it it, he did an interview and I think he said that like his he's also he's like Steve, the Stephen King of screenwriting. Like he's just an insane crazy person who yeah yeah who who makes it every single day of his life but i think he said the first draft for this this script was like 500 pages or something like something so he like wrote 500 pages he described it as basically making the marble that you would then carve a statue out of his uh-huh. first draft was like the marble block. And he was like, I know I'm not going to keep everything here, but still he put like 500 pages on a screenplay, Probably. which if for anyone who doesn't know is like, <laughs> like the longest movie ever. 500 Probably. pages, That's 60 pages is like an hour, right? Like, so um, it was like some insane draft that he had gone. And then he had just basically went in and like chiseled things down and chiseled things down and chiseled things down until he had, but yeah, it's super tight. It felt like it flew by too. Mm-hmm. the movie. Too like I immediately wanted to just rewatch it once it was mm-hmm. over, mm-hmm. even though it's yeah, almost like two and a half hours long, but it does not feel like it at all. Yeah. I, it was, it's also a point of American history that I don't know too well. Uh, being from Canada, you know, I don't, catch it all <laughs> well, even being um, american <laughs> even yeah. if you were american you might not know uh, it because yeah. i'm american so I, I didn't know about it oh mm-hmm. it, it was great to learn about i knew about like, the issues that, that we're talking about but yeah. yeah the actual event itself i had no idea yeah uh and i loved like i mean i, I know everyone had been praising sasha baron baron cohen beforehand but mm-hmm. they were right he's great in it mm-hmm. uh i'm glad that the oh, i, I fr- always forget the actor's name but uh the uh the judge no the uh <laughs> the um, terrible any red main no any red main lawyer fine. the main guy any red what's the what's the uh the serial killer um oh oh uh drew carey's drew carey's brother drew carey's yeah <laughs> wait what john john lynch john lynch john lynch john, lynch. Yeah. Carol lynch. john Carol yeah. lynch carey's brother no, no, he I'm played okay, I, so. my first entry point for him was he played Drew Carey's brother uh, in, in. Oh, you're uh, dating yourself. Drew Carey. Okay. That, was, that was my first entry point for him, too. But then he also what's the the Mark Ruffalo serial killer movie? Zodiac. Zodiac. And for now, yeah. he'll always be the presumed Zodiac killer to me mm-hmm. uh, ever since that movie. Ted Cruz, though. 
we found that he's out. So, oh yeah, he's so eerily just he, his performance in that like creeped me out big time. I always um, remember. I always align him with the hu- Marge's husband from Fargo. Oh, and just yeah. Bit, okay, the very yeah. beginning where he's like, "I'll go make us. I'll go make some coffee," and he just gets out of bed and goes, "Hawks up a loogie," and then walks mm-hmm. off screen. And just mm-hmm. like that, just just embedded when I was when I saw that for the first time. So like, I like this guy. I'm gonna remember his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you had that on your list, and I I probably wouldn't have would have kept putting it off if it wasn't for you. So thanks, Nick. So it was I great. Had, by the way, I had suggested watching. There's so, a certain things on on this list that I had suggested watching a couple times, <laughs> and I said know, no. But it didn't my suggestion so, now. I'm, yeah, I'm going to start messaging you when I want to watch something <laughs> with Elise, so then you just like Twitter about it or something. I'll go, Did you know Nick said we should check out? Uh, Independence Day, which Did I've never seen. Independence Day the better version. Oh, oh I, are you being? Are you joking? Or are you serious? I never saw it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, thought, I, just, I thought that maybe there was something I had missed. To watch. It was painful. <laughs> nice, nice. We watched Men in Black over the holiday because I had never seen it. Uh-huh. Oh, that's I love that movie. I love I it, it too because it's great and it's extremely well made. Elise, very well made. It's a little too short because I would just it like a little short. Yeah, That's why I wanted to live others. in that world a little bit longer. And when I got like, when the sequel came out, I was like, yes. And I watched it and I was like, oh, uh, shucks. I, okay. I feel like the third one is better than the second one. The third one is better, even if it does have unfortunate you know, logic holes because it's a time travel movie. But mm-hmm. still. And it also miscast to- young Tommy Lee Jones uh, with uh, Josh Brolin as opposed to Josh Hartnett, who we all know is Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> from a- time warp uh-huh so uh i agree i did think it was a bit short and maybe i imagined that there was going to be more world building than there maybe was in this oh, universe mystery. where these agents exist i thought it was fine i i think that it either may be more nostalgia that's that's leaning into your two opinions no then tight and that's the final word, and no one can say anything <laughs> to rebuff me, because now we'll hear from a word from our sponsor. The curators at Bespoke Post have done it again this winter, with an all-new lineup of essential Box of Awesome collections for you, guaranteed to upgrade your life. Uh, right now, you can get things like a pancake kit, okay, or a really nice grown-up weekender bag that's going to impress all your friends. Uh, whether it's to showcase pieces to level up your indoor hosting skills or cozy threads for those blustery days, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. James and I, we got that knife. I've talked about it before. One of the best knives we own. It, it is the best knife that we own. I can say that confidently. So just take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. There are new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. So get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code FILMHOUSE at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code uh, FILMHOUSE for 20% off your first box. Thank you, Box of Awesome. Sponsorships always always cutting off my rebuttals. I'm just (laughs) just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you guys want to say anything about Men in Black, now is the time. I mean, knowing, sure, Will Smith now having been a caricature of himself for so long, right? Like, 
I get that maybe his performance in it isn't as charming because everyone knows Will Smith and how Will Smith is now. But I still think that I still think that this is like the first time he really got to break out because like he's in Bad Boys, but Bad Boys, he's like tough. That was like him steering away from his uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air image. Yeah. Very he, like harsh. He still like drops a lot of jokes in Bad Boys, but the the idea is that he's like the badass version of this duo. The other guy's married and has kids. Yeah, he's. He's single and he doesn't want to get tied down. Yeah, but but him as Jay and Men in Black is like, oh, he's clearly an action lead. He can clearly be an action lead because he's the action lead in this movie. But it's a fun, it still feels like Will from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, if he was an action lead, it has like both when he's doing the test and he drags the table over, like it has these like great comedic moments. And I, yeah. so I think it's, I think it's very tight. Yes. The world is maybe not as expansive as you would imagine for a movie where its premise is secret alien society. But I think it did allow them to only do things that were worth doing. So like a lot of animatronics, and a lot of things that felt real and like ta- most of the stuff, the only thing that kind of aged not great was like the baby squid. But like even at the time that didn't look amazing. Um, and so uh, it kind of didn't have to because like they were clearly pulling from the comic books. Mm-hmm. So are, com- so it, are we? I, is this movie yes. based on comic books? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Serious. I did not um, know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't read them, but I hear they're good. Good enough to mm-hmm. make a movie out of apparently. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I feel like the effects are fine because, one, it was 1998, 99 or whatever, when mm-hmm. people were still trying to chase that that ILM dragon, you know? Mm-hmm. And actually, ILM, I think, did this because Steven Spielberg produced it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of because like, everything looks cartoony, even, like, kind of the human characters sometimes mm-hmm. look pretty cartoony. Which is maybe Barry stylistic the choice. Stuff, you know, it, it kind of exaggerates people's facial features a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I I appreciate if, like, you're going to make that stylistic cartoonish choice and that's going to be what holds up. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not going to lean into fidelity in your CG and you're going to go, well, we'll make it look a little bit silly and then it won't age as bad. Well, because Barry Sonfeld has always been like Tim Burton light. Like he's like a Tim Burton who didn't buy into his own aesthetic. Yeah. As like the only way to make a movie in some cases. So, like, I do think, yeah, I think it's a really fun way to make it feel like you said, like cartoony without, but you're still clearly watching a movie. Um, Nick has a list and a movie on his list here. Paddington. Uh, never Paddington. heard of that. We'll just skip over that one. Okay. <laughs> Was that Paddington one? You I'm watched Paddington one. one. I haven't seen two yet, but oh, I just, baby. I finally watched Paddington like a few weeks ago. I know. Cause I, I tweeted about it and you guys were really, yes. Really yeah. Excited. I'm so excited for you, Nick. <laughs> It's lovely. It's a lovely film. My only my only problem with it was that I felt like it didn't really need a villain character. Sure. So like I, I'm fine with with Nicole Kidman's performance. Mm-hmm. I just feel like her character there could have been a conflict for for Paddington to deal with that didn't have to be a villain trying to murder him. <laughs> well, um, Paddington too. That, yeah, no, it's a lovely film. Paddington too is still, in my opinion, a perfect film. And and I and everyone goes, but Paddington one was so great. And I go, Paddington one has a sense of like malicious dread, which which I feel like you could make a movie without. And I think Paddington shows that you can make a movie without that malicious dread that 
is so that was kind of like their, their, their blueprint and then now in the second one they kind of mm-hmm. they nailed yeah nailed it in okay i mean i was gonna watch it anyway but well you better do it but actually I'm save for it <laughs> yeah oh man you're blessed mm-hmm are you, when are you gonna watch, when are you watch it I don't think Lindsay Lindsay said in that Twitter thread she hadn't seen it either. Correct? Lindsay Listen. has not watched a lot of things. I know. I know. <laughs> she, well, instead of watching the newest hit show, she will rewatch season three of Friends. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I adore. But she does Lindsay, watch a lot of TV. Get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And you love Friends. <laughs> and I love I love the mem- memories I have of watching Friends when it first yeah. aired. Yeah. 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 And I don't want to spoil those by rewatching it and finding that everything is dated, not funny. Ooh. All right. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Could this be any more hurtful to Lindsay? Oh. Probably. Um, no, but I'm I'm so glad that you're getting into the pa- the Paddington train. Uh Tenet. Tenet. Oh. Uh you watched it recently. Your, your like guess you last your... week kind of summed it up perfectly that it's all of Christopher Nolan's worst tendencies as a filmmaker on display for two and a half hours. So with some really great set pieces. Really mm-hmm. great set pieces. Mm-hmm. But then after after a set piece is done and you're done being wowed by it, yeah, you realize it sinks in like, oh, it's going to go back to people telling me what's going on in the movie instead of showing me what's going on in the movie and reminding me of the rules of the movie. Uh-huh. And and then, yeah, and it just kind of it's kind of a bummer. It could have been so much better. I uh, we watched it as well. I did not think it was that good, but I was still, again, going back to the initial discussion of finding enjoy, as opposed to jumping on the pain train, I I wanted to find, I already knew that people didn't like it. And so I wanted to find things that I liked about it and ultimately did enjoy watching it. But I was, I was talking with someone else about this. I enjoyed watching it the same way I enjoy watching I don't know if you remember these, but they sold director series DVDs where it'd be like Spike Jones director series or Michelle Gondry director or Chris Cunningham director series. And they'd be like these like very auteur generally music. Oh, video. yeah. I, I used to have the Chris Cunningham where it's like all this music videos and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's but it's like the all of them are like these wild concepts, like how someone came up with this concept to put something onto film and then they made it. And it's like really cool. But like you don't necessarily watch a music video to like for the story, you know, yeah. <laughs> like. And so that's Except what trapped in the closet. Well, trapped yes. in the closet, yes. Um, <laughs> Which we used to play trapped in the closet roulette where we mm-hmm. would just shuffle to a random. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, scene. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, so. I watched it that way and yeah, man, thinking back on it, there's no there's no characters like in the whole thing. When the you main think about characters literally named the protagonist. Yeah, his and he name calls himself that all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, the protagonist. Okay, we get it, dude. But like it's like his his purpose or whatever like none of that is clear or or there's no entry point for a human being with emotion it's an engineering film i think yeah. is what it is he also it, abandons his like his his ideals very quickly because remember the early scene where he uh yeah where where the batman asked him like like would you do would you do anything to accomplish yeah. this mission even kill a woman he's like i do anything and then later yeah. in the movie he abandons the mission to save a woman yeah who yeah. has like no real attachment to whatsoever just yeah. feels kind of sorry for her it's weird i don't know and, it's just and- and by yeah. this point, the mission is a tacked on, tacked on. It's like a, like, again, engineering wise, it all makes sense. 
But yeah. if you are, are a human being with emotions that want to see those emotions and like passions reflected on screen, like you need a Leonardo DiCaprio going, my, my reason for going into someone's dream is to get to my kids. I, you need that. And there's yeah. no human attachment to anything. I actually thought that uh, Neil or Robert Pattinson's character was more complex than the protagonist. But I want a even, movie about his character, even though I, I do love John David Washington. He's amazing. Yeah, I love he's him great. A lot. Character was and black. in one in one scene he'd be James Bond, who's got all the answers, and then like in the next scene he'd be completely lost just yeah. because it served the purpose of that scene. Um, but I did, I was watching it going like, like at least can tell you, I was watching it going like, as they're going through like the, the airport or whatever, I'm like, Oh man, the movie's going to come back. Like we're going to, I, I, <laughs> I like, once you know, and you're like watching the movie unfold and forward, you're like, Oh, how are they going to put it back together in this way? Yeah. It almost felt like a video game kind of where I was I like, do, yeah. I can't wait till it spins back around and I want to see how they do it. And so I was excited for those reasons. But like as a full thing, I wasn't mm, I wasn't I still think I like Interstellar less. Like, I feel like I'd be less inclined to watch Interstellar again. I want to watch Interstellar again. I would watch it again. But I feel like Interstellar's thrust was more like an emotional. It did try for an emotional thing that just didn't hit with me at all. Whereas the rest of the movie, I was like, I don't know. I feel like I might get bored on the spaceship. I mostly identified with the guy who's like, I've been here for 90 years or whatever, yeah. waiting for you to come back. He's been um, doing like quantum physics and stuff and taking naps every so often. Yeah. Poor yeah. Guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely not the big blockbuster that I would have hoped for from Christopher. Yeah, not worth risking your life in a theater to see. Definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not. Yeah. There was another movie we watched because of a Nick wreck, which is Possessor. Possessor! It just came to streaming, which is from the younger Cronenberg, son of Cronenberg. Cronenberg. Son of Cronenberg, yeah. After this movie, no one should refer to him as David Cronenberg's son. He is Brandon Cronenberg, filmmaker, auteur, because this movie is so goddamn good. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. How do you describe this movie? (laughs) What did I... Uh, I was mentioning it uh, let me look at text i had a text conversation with someone it's 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 a it's a it's an easy pitch but it sounds complicated so angela rice bro is an assassin for a corporation Mm -hmm. but what she does is she takes over the mind and body of someone close to the target so that when they commit the murder then it looks like a murder suicide and they Mm -hmm. get away yeah yeah and her newest assignment starts to rebel against her control over his body yeah, well, she's also already having some. She's having some oh, her own interpersonal issues. She's yeah. not she's clearly not in touch control with of her, her her own yeah. reality and connection to her her yeah. life, her husband um, and son. Yeah, because so. I think she's she's living through these conduits so much. Uh, it, she's it, becoming disconnected, which attached. which is is cool on in that sense. But it's even cooler if you think like metaphorically, like she doesn't even have a handle on her own life how could she possibly fill the shoes of someone else and like yeah. when you think of it that way it's like oh that's such a great sci-fi yeah. starting point you know um i, w- I will say my one kind of hang up with the movie was i really like andrea riseborough um and once i say angela andrea yeah it's andrea. i think it's andrea um 
And once you get to the point in the movie and the spoilers where you're really just kind of existing through, you know, her with with her conduit, Mm -hmm. like you lose her in the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you know, and and for me, I was like, oh, I I really like her. I think what what they maybe could have done there was they could have just had Chris Pine play the character (laughs) (laughs) they just do like a thing where it starts as her and the other guy and then goes around someone and then it's just chris pine for the rest of the movie (laughs) um no yeah i I get that too because you do spend a lot of time like identifying with her but then she's pretty well concealed for the second half of the film yeah it is Uh, really fun to watch uh james holden playing two different characters simultaneously Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. all in his eyes too. You can see that like there's moments and shots where it's it's Andrea's character making a decision, and then suddenly he's snapping Snapped. back in and kind of yeah. questioning what's going on mm-hmm. without a, a word being said. Yeah. So it's definitely it's a yeah it's I it's interesting. I'll say, it's very gory too. It's not yeah. the squeamish. It's there are a lot of close ups of blood squirts and practical yeah. like violence. Uh, Again, he's a a Cronenberg. They they love that stuff. (laughs) I was going to say, I I honestly thought it was going to be maybe worse. I think I set myself up for something that was going to maybe worse. I actually was talking to Elise before the show about this. There are two versions of it. Mm -hmm. And there's so there's the possessor and then possessor uncut, which is the which I don't know which one we watched, James. So Uh, I I only I watched the the other one without knowing because I, I, I have Amazon and they don't have the uncut version. So I was like, wow, this is, I mean, this is violent, but like, I've seen way worse than this, mm-hmm. but apparently the uncut version is like, yeah, it just, it does, it like, n- does not hold back whatsoever. And I yeah. think there's even like a little bit of a narrative change with the uncut version. I'm not entirely hmm. sure, but. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess when I hear Cronenberg, I think like maybe more body horror. Yeah. Like, like sometimes when it's violence, I'm like, eh, violence is violence. And maybe that's just me being a completely screwed up you know person or whatever i'm like yeah someone gets stabbed you know yeah that's what knives do and like you know like so but i was expecting maybe not i went in not knowing anything i just was like we should watch possessor okay put on possessor and so uh not knowing anything i was maybe expecting a little bit more body horror which i didn't necessarily want and i yeah. was yeah this first movie was a lot more body horror oh yeah uh antiviral yeah it's about it's about a dystopian society where people are so obsessed with celebrities they will actually um inject diseases they had to be closer to them oh yeah and it's about a guy who's basically the the middleman so he will take whatever disease they had injected himself to create a bigger like blood strain and then they'll Mm -hmm. take it out of them and give it to people and they pay like top dollar it's it's really good but it's like yeah it's if you don't like needles it's not Mm -hmm. like that's not a movie for you yeah um, uh, I don't mind really, needles. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't don't mind a needle. Yeah, if I get a vaccine or when I normally get vaccinated, I'll watch and put it in. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I can take it. Come on. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, it's time for another word from our sponsor. But then after that, we're going to talk about some news because Nick is a bit of a Keaton head. <laughs> what I hear. What I'm known for. Hey guys, you've heard us talk about hymns before, and now it's time that you try it. If you're experiencing hair loss, this might be a solution for you. The best way to prevent more hair loss is to tackle the issue while you still have hair and you can keep it. 
And the solution for that is forhims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss and also skincare and sexual wellness for men. They've got a bunch of good stuff to make you feel and look your best. Um, it's no snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. <laughs> uh, prescription solutions backed by science is what Hims provides. It was created by a guy who knows some men's health conversations are easier online in person. That's why you don't have to have awkward doctor's visits or stand in long pharmacy lines being anxious. For Hims connects you with licensed medical professionals online and it could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You just answer some quick questions and a medical professional We'll review and determine if it's right for you and prescribe you some medication to treat hair loss. And it's sent directly to your door. So it's all really easy and safe. Today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. And right now, our listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. Just go to forhims.com slash filmhouse. That's forhims.com slash filmhouse, H-A-U-S in that film house. Prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's 4hymns.com slash filmhouse. But yeah, there's there's a bit of movie news, finally. I feel like this this year has been a, a drought, but we're getting a, little, a few tidbits here and there. Um, the one that, that circled the internet this past week was that Michael Keaton is reprising his role as Batman in the flash movie that's coming November, 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this kind of caused some confusion because people were like, Oh, is he taking over Ben Affleck's role? Which, which I think was clarified later. Like, no, he is not taking, this is a one-time thing in the flash that we're going to see mm-hmm. Keaton. Yeah. I was, I was good. So yeah. So where does it, is that where it landed now? Cause the news alerts that I was getting like, all weekend were Warner Brothers says Michael Keaton is new main Batman. Yeah. Like he's a permanent <laughs> like now. he is the new main Batman. And I was like, that must be weird for like Robert Pattinson to read. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they were they were hyping up the Batman for like, yeah. like all of last year. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, production halted or whatever. And now yeah. now it's all as, about Keaton. I don't understand what they're well I like as, they they course corrected their their universe mm-hmm. like they don't know figured what out like okay well, we're gonna stop being yeah Marvel. as of yesterday the writer that initial that wrote the initial piece corrected and, and clarified that keaton will only be in one film okay okay uh he was offline the writer was offline because he was moving <laughs> and then he ah, came and he returned and he saw everybody talking about michael like, keaton and what he had realized written. when i was writing something that was patentedly untrue that it could potentially spread <laughs> yeah he says it's it's just the flash mm-hmm. is what okay. he knew Okay. So I'm thinking it's going to be like a, a dark universe like type thing where it's like the the, the Tim Burton Batman is oh, part wow. of, is from a different universe in in mm. in DC. Well, like a multiverse D- type thing. The DC the DC movie world, I think we can all agree, basically just sits and looks at what other things are doing <laughs> and then does those things worse. So like you know when they see Shazam. what's that it. it Shazam looked at Big and it was like, oh. we can do this as a superhero. <laughs> okay. They well, nailed it. Big. I also they also like Aquaman a lot. I, I'm, I, like I, will, Aquaman too. I think Aquaman was a very fun movie. And Wonder Woman won. Um yeah. but uh but again, they are all just things floating out there in the ether that don't have any sort of coherence. And the problem comes when they look across the street and they go, Well, they made a lot of money on Avengers. So let's put them in same movie or like, let's figure out how it all links together. And then it just becomes a big mess. And it seems like they, and, and, but they're not also not willing to commit to anything for more than like 
six months. So they change stuff. So they're like, oh, yeah, we need like Batman again. Leaving and stuff. And yeah. There's that whole thing also, with Joss Whedon getting sued. And I, like, I saw a news story that was like, I don't know how legitimate it was. Maybe it's like, maybe the writer is moving, but um, Christopher <laughs> Nolan might be coming back to do oh, no, more Batmans. Yeah. After this... Tenet not being so hot. He's going to come in there and be like, I'm going to do Lobo. Guess mm-hmm. what? Inversion. <laughs> it's going to be a part of the Lobo universe. Nice. <laughs> Trying it again. Mm. Um, I mean, I yeah. wouldn't hate another Christopher Nolan Batman. Do we need, but is that I, what I, Warner I, Brothers I really needs? I want Matt Reeves Batman. I want to see oh, the Batman. Yeah. I love yeah, Matt Reeves too. as a filmmaker. Me too. Mm-hmm. Give I'm him a shot. That. You know? mm-hmm. uh, I would have been happy if it was just Michael Keaton playing an old Batman. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A la Alan Moore. I would have been happy with that. I, I think that we're all knee deep now. You know, Sony mm-hmm. bringing back everybody from every Spider-Man that ever existed. I love it. It's really fun. But mm-hmm. I think now everyone's like multiverse, multiverse, multiverse. It all has and to be multiverse. All be- it's all because of Sp- Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Was, but yeah. not because... N- the thing is, Into the Spider-Verse wasn't a stellar movie because it of had Future Past mul- as well. multi-universe stuff. Like... Yeah. It was a stellar movie because they made an awesome movie that happened to include multiverse stuff. Like, I don't know. It's so wacky to me that now they're like, oh, I guess what people want is multi. Like, the only keyword that they pulled out of it is multiverse. Well, and I'm like, no, no. It wasn't the animation style. It wasn't yeah. the Miles Morales story. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, this it was well made yeah. is what we wanted. I'm a big fan of Days of Future Past, the, uh, the X-Men sequel, only because I also think that there are times when there are such great casting choices made in lackluster movies. Mm -hmm. And I really love when directors make the choice to revisit a great casting choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, it's like, yes, bring, you know, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart back. Like, Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, But yeah, at a certain point it kind of just crosses over into gratuitous fan service. And that's, that's always where like I get a little worried about like tell a good story yeah. Um, so, so I would have been happy with just Michael Keaton. He's an old. He's Christian Bale lends him his knee brace oh, from you know Dark yeah, Knight yeah. Rises, so he can kick mm-hmm. a wall. Um, I would have been happy mm-hmm. with that. Well, it sounds like we might get something similar to that, right? Because if it's, I mean, the he's Flash, still old. He's probably gonna <laughs> yeah. still be old. He's you like, know? Yeah. he's not in bad shape though. Like, no, no. Well, he's Michael doing, Keaton he's doing a lot of stunts in uh, in Spider Man Far From Home or uh, the first one. Oh, Michael, yeah. Mike, Homecoming, right? Yeah, Michael Keaton. But Michael Keaton also was never like an in shape Batman in the first no. place. No, yeah, he had like, a dad. He, he's always had a dad bod. Yeah. Like, he's he, just yeah, a man, a man with technology and tech, you know. So, but and yeah. pretty face, yeah, and a beautiful, beautiful face. Love, I love me some Keaton. He's gonna be so he's gonna be Batman while he's also gonna be Vulture. And he's also gonna, who is also in the Venom universe too, or, or no, Morbius. He's also in Morbius. We know is that he? he's gonna oh, be in Morbius. Right. So Michael Keaton's is, in it all. Is Morbius, because Morbius is part of Spider Man, right? Well, Morbius is the Sony. I think Morbius but is technically on, Venom universe, which is like only yeah. allowed to cross over with Spider Man and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta um, love these studios. He's. We got four new images teasing the Uncharted movie, which are exactly the images I would expect to tease an Uncharted movie. One is a close-up of a, a jeweled cross on a map. Mm-hmm. 
the other one is the close-up of that same jeweled cross being used as a key in some kind of, you know, old door or chest. Mm-hmm. The third is a statue of a, of a rider, maybe a crusader on a horse covered in cobwebs. Mm-hmm. And the fourth is a map. I, and I'm I like, love it. I love it. I like, I like the Uncharted games, but I'm kind of like, all right. Yeah. It's a marketing <laughs> you know? department. It's a marketing department that they like, they were, they were like, Hmm, we should probably tweet something. And then they came in and then they went. Nick, <laughs> like they is this too jaded things. a response? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in like the camp that there has never been, well, not for a while. There was never a good video game movie. Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat is watchable, but it's, it's cheesy, campy, sloppy. Yes, fun. I love mm-hmm. it. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a good movie. Um, and then, and then technically Detective Pikachu is a video game based on a video game. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty good. And I was like, okay, I, I dig this. I'm not a big Pokemon fan. And then Sonic came out. And I actually loved that movie. Like I know it's 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 not it's not masterpiece or anything, but it finally gave us a Jim Carrey performance, a la like Ace Ventura, like nineteen ninety four yeah. Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Um, but so anytime, so now I'm a little more a little less jaded. Whenever they're like, we're we're making turning this video game into a movie, um, I'm a little less jaded. But I'm always going into it being like, I'm not gonna to see this in theater even if theaters are open i'm not gonna see this in theaters the, the thing that makes me not care about an uncharted movie is that it's a it's a movie based on a video game based on a movie yeah like <laughs> uncharted based on, based on old books from the 30s uh, uncharted <laughs> yeah. the video game is a like unabashed send-up of indiana jones and those types of like adventure, adventure. movies and it's literally designed to be played such that you can enjoy it the same way, like p- almost passively, because sometimes the interaction in those games is like pretty minimal and still regardless, amazing things are unfolding around you. So like they're not space ace by any means, but they are like only kind of a step away from it. And they are taking so much influence that the idea of putting it back into a movie seems like now we're just getting the worst version and yeah, I hope to be corrected, but I feel like you're just setting yourself up for giving us the uh, worst version of this. Tom Holland's a bit young, I think, for Nathan Drake in my mm-hmm. eyes, but I think he could be fun. I think he could yep. just be, you know, he's not going to be Shia LaBeouf as Mutt. <laughs> I think he's going to be no fun one will be. at the very but, least. Um, but, I will say I'm going to call myself out uh, be- on my jadedness because I do think if you probably looked at these four images and you had any knowledge of cartography, history, mm-hmm. you know, cultures around the world, you could probably look at contextual cues in these and get some pretty fun, interesting tidbits about the story. I, I would hope maybe they are just pictures of random maps and mm-hmm. crosses. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I'm going to call myself out on this, you know, okay. <laughs> All try right. harder at least. Okay. Fair. Um, but yeah, so that's anyway, it. that's my hesitation. And again, I'm not opposed to Tom Holland playing a being in a movie that involves going on adventuring. I just think that when your starting point is from something that's already so referential, it's like, how are you supposed to walk out of this with anything other than something referential? Like you're setting yourself up to basically beat yourself down by like not yeah. being able to do something original. And like the only people that may appreciate it are people that don't aren't aware of the video game. 
And they're like, yeah, oh, cool. so this is kind of like a young Indiana Jones movie. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's neat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, WandaVision is days away on Disney Plus. It's uh. I'm really curious in terms of how it's going to defy genre and the format of this show, because my understanding is that it plays with a bunch of different eras of sitcom and mm-hmm. and cinema and stuff. And they're doing a really cool thing where uh, I'm not a frozen fan by any means, but they got the songwriting duo from the frozen franchise, Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez to write. A, so they're, they're doing a series of theme songs across the show and each theme song is going to be tailored to whatever era that episode, I guess, is sort of existing mm. within, which I think is That's really cool. cool to do. Yeah, yeah. And I, those those two are such those two are such amazing composers. They're so good, <laughs> like because they, they did Coco as well. Like they did, did they've they? done a ton. They're oh, like the damn. new. They're the, the new go to Disney composers, and I think that like they are. What's Randy s- Newman so going to say? <laughs> well, I guess he is technically only Pixar, <laughs> well, right? But I had to replace him some point. Yeah. Oh. But I do think that they've done such a great job. Whether or not you like the Frozen movies, you cannot deny that like those those big hits are they're bangers. They're Disney classics, you know. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just that extra attention of Into it could just unknown. be a, you know a, a, it could just be a theme song across the entire. But let's let's give this some detail yeah, yeah. and flair and do yeah, it that way. Get into the weird story they're yeah. trying to tell. Is, also, the Lopez's know, are big m- music nerds. I heard again. Got, all right, again, they were on a uh, NPR game show that I was listening to not too, not too long ago, and it was like for the NPR game show. They're like, "Hey, we wrote some jingles for this for the questions or whatever for this," and then they performed the jingles and stuff. I was like, oh. I think they just are musically inclined geniuses. Um, finally, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, Nick. I appreciate you. This will be the last thing. Justin Bieber has some one-sided feud with Tom Cruise. He posts, he posts, I don't know what is happening, but he posts like a picture of himself in a boxing ring where he's like egging Tom Cruise on to fight him. (laughs) I don't really know. Tom Cruise would mop the floor with him. Tom Cruise Cruise is almost 60 though. But he's so in shape. Yeah. He's got the body of a 30 year old. The only thing the only thing is that if we've learned from I can't even remember their name. What are the the, the brothers? The, the, the Logan Pauls. The Pauls. Yeah. If we've learned from the Pauls that you never know, white dudes will pull knockouts that they don't deserve out of nowhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's all that rage. <laughs> yeah, and so so they will find a way and and so I, I tom cruise would train every single day and make it his mission but then he would also worry about his angle towards the camera and then and then bieber while protecting his face would swing wildly and knock him out in one so you can never you can never predict well i guess there you have it sorry i have to sneeze that's why i stopped talking <laughs> <laughs> bless you what a way to go out well there it is the sneeze i I hope someone else will talk so i can muffle this this sneeze for a moment i just don't have a huge opinion on 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 justin bieber yeah i don't either i just i to me it's just the idea of egging a 60 year old man like yeah it's really weird um well this is wonderful talking to you nick thanks so much for doing the show thanks for having Uh, me you've Anytime. A wealth of movie knowledge, great opinions, mm-hmm. and I would love to have you back once you watch Paddington 2 <laughs> to get your <laughs> one, reaction. One caveat. 
<laughs> yeah, you have to watch that before you're not welcome here okay. until you do that. Um, where can people find you and your work and just follow you? I'm on Twitter at slash diction and Twitch as well, slash diction. Great. Awesome. And what kind of, what stuff, kind of stuff do you stream? <laughs> mostly video games. Every so oh. or every week I'll do a stream where I watch videos of supposed hauntings and paranormal activity and I'll make fun of them because I don't believe in ghosts. Well, that's great. Why? Why didn't you start the beginning of the podcast with that? <laughs> yeah, let's start. Let's go back. I don't believe let's in just, ghosts. Just let's cut this part and put it at the beginning. And yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you. I also don't really believe in ghosts, but I want to believe in ghosts. I mm. want. Yeah, I want to believe too. But until something happens to me that I can't explain, mm-hmm. you're not going to show me a photograph or a video of a chair moving and convince me that there wasn't someone pulling a string somewhere. No, like it's just not going to happen. Have you? Have you walked on the moon? Do you no, believe I've, that happened? Okay. Did well, you meet <laughs> Helen Keller? Look at a whole can of worms there, James. <laughs> <laughs> I've never opened a can of worms. Do they live in worms or cans? I don't know. Actually, um, from, from from my Ghost Watch stream, I actually discovered you can order a box of five thousand worms for about a hundred dollars off the internet. Okay. How did you get to that point? This one of the channels I watched, he opened a Dybbuk box and apparently it haunted him and. So he was, he was just showing like, all these things that were happening around his house. And one of them was just a bunch of worms outside. And he, he literally said, there's about, I don't know, 5,000 worms here. And so the person I was watching with was just like, we just Googled it. And sure enough, the you first thing worms. popped up, 5,000 worms in a box. You can get it for $100. I guess if you're, if you fish, you get the um, worms? I think it's for like, for, for mulch and for and like. Pranks. For pranks or ghost videos. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it. Let us know in the comments what the worms are for. Thanks so much, Nick. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.